Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. Today, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio, for Friday, October 21st, 2011. This week, episode 224 comes to you from Studio C in beautiful McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes, and with the studio with me this week is the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. Joe, always a pleasure to be here. Good day, Cliff. And we've got Valerie Bender on the line. Hello, Val. Hi, nice to be here. All right, good to have you with us. And, of course, at the controls, Austin. Stone Cold, no doubt. Okay, we had a couple technical issues early on, but we're getting a late start, but it, sounds, it seems like we're coming in pretty good now. If uh, anybody wants to text us and let us know if the sound's a little better, we'd appreciate it. Today's segments include the IAQ Radio Trivia Question. We've got an interview with Dan Mabesoon of Mastercare Corp. in Norwich, Connecticut. He is a new secretary on the IICRC, now known as the Clean Trust Board of Directors. We'll have our halftime with Glenn Fellman, What's News? And, of course, we'll have the roundup with our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfacts.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. And we want to recognize our newest marquee sponsor, Net Claims Now, who provides insurance billing for the restoration, fire, water, mold, and reconstruction industries. Learn more about them at www.netclaimsnow.com. All right. We also want to remind listeners we have ABIH, IICRC, and ACAC renewal credits. I hope the acronym police are at the donut shop here. Uh, oh, there they are. All right, Austin. And you can email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com, and I'll send out the quizzes. We'll get you set up for some renewal credits. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com let's turn it over to the z-man for today's iaq radio trivia question thanks joe Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IEQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IEQ Radio trivia question every week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in the answer. Congratulations. (laughs) 
to Andy Krasowski, Comcast Metal Products, Mars PA, for again being the first listener to provide the answer, which was botulinum toxin as the most toxic substance known to science. The IAQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, October 21st, 2011, has been sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restores and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Now for this week's trivia question. Name the founder of the IICUC, which was the predecessor to the Clean Trust. Okay, John. All right. Actually, I'm going to turn it back to you, Cliff, for the introduction of today's guest. Okay. I think you've got the notes right there. Let's do do that. I do. I do. Dan Mabison and his wife Sally are the proprietors of Mastercare Corporation, a Norwich, Connecticut cleaning firm which provides carpet, upholstery, drapery, and area rug cleaning, tile and grout cleaning, water damage restoration, and mold remediation services. Dan, who holds multiple industry certifications and advanced designations, is an industry veteran with a reputation for telling it is. Dan, who was once a very vocal IICRC critic, is now a Crean Trust board member and officer. Uh, we're going to discuss what's going on with Clean Trust with Dan today. We have some introductory music. Five, six, seven, eight. Come to the carpet. Use your walking feet. Come to the carpet. Moving to the beat. Come to the carpet. Be careful not to shout. And don't forget that when you sit to have a quiet Okay, okay, let's get Dan unmuted, guest one, and we'll... How are you? Good, Dan, great. Thanks for joining us. We apologize for any technical issues we had here, but we're up and running now. Let's get started with a little bit on uh, your history. How long have you been in the cleaning and restoration industry? Well, uh, since 1987, uh, when I got out of the Army in 1970, I started working for a very large corporation, I worked my way up to a variety of uh, mid-level management positions. Uh, At one point in time, I was handling uh, four facilities that were located in four different states that actually served uh, almost all of New England. And then um, I was dissatisfied uh, with the way things were. My wife had started uh, a cleaning business in 1987, and uh, that's when I got on board and got involved with uh, our company. Okay. Uh, What services does... MasterCare provide? Uh, we actually provide a, a variety of different uh, services. Uh, we do uh, tile and grout cleaning. Uh, we do some, but not much, mold remediation. Uh, the bulk of our business is uh, residential carpet and upholstery cleaning. Uh, we've got an implant facility, and we do uh, area rugs and oriental carpets. Uh, at one point in time, I was also a senior certified uh, carpet inspector. I don't do that any longer. Uh, but it was certainly helpful in uh, doing the things that we needed to do in our business from a technical point of view. Dan, I'm curious, in the last few months, we've had you know the, the big rains up your way and, and over in Philadelphia and so on. Have you seen an increase in business as a result of that? In the water damage, surprisingly, no. Um, we just didn't quite get enough of it uh, to create a serious situation in New London County. Uh, in other, you know, there's eight counties in Connecticut, and some of the other counties got hit pretty bad. But uh, here in this, we just did not see an awful lot of it in New London County, no. Okay. Val? Val? Okay. Dan, I understand that you have a hobby that pays. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just very, 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 very late in life, I went back to school because I wanted to uh, teach. And I did uh, an undergraduate degree, and then I went on to do uh, an MBA so I could teach. And uh, currently I teach at uh, Southern Connecticut State University as an adjunct, and it's a blast. It's a riot. I'm working with uh, a lot of students that are that are young that keep me on my toes, and then there's a nice blend of uh, older students, too, that can really appreciate uh, some of the information that's being passed on to them. So... I would do it for free, but I'm going to take the money. <laughs> well, what exactly do you teach? Um, actually, something quite appropriate to uh, what we do. I teach a uh, small, it's called a small business and entrepreneurship class. 
and the focus of the class is the students actually have to start their own uh, their own business, and it has to be a retail or service enterprise. And I only have two constraints on what they can or can't do. First of all, it can't be illegal. <laughs> secondly, secondly, it can't be immoral. And I determine what's immoral, period. That's up to me. That's my discretion. But we get some pretty interesting uh, uh, things that uh, people have decided to do. Uh, what would you say was the most interesting? Uh, Cliff, I think you're probably going to dive on this maybe, but uh, someone had actually... Uh, was actually in the process in real life of taking over a pest control business from his father-in-law. Okay. All right, so that was something he started. And then we get people that are personal assistants and a variety of restaurants and uh, things like that. So it's it's we get a wide, you know, gyms and entertainment centers and things like that people do. Cool. Well, Dan, obviously one of the reasons we wanted to get you on this week is all the exciting news that, what used to be called the IICRC, to kind of set things up. I'm curious, what other industry associations, uh, well, let's let's clarify with listeners. Nobody's a member, as I understand it, of IICRC. I assume you're a registrant. You have a few of their certifications. Uh, that's correct. Uh, one of the things you, you mentioned in your introduction, which I'm sure you'll get into uh, later on, uh, at one point in time, I had like 19 different certifications, and like you stated, people are registrants, not members. Um, but for reasons at the time, I was dissatisfied with some of the directions that the uh, the IRCOC was taking, and I actually dropped all of those certifications for a period of time and just actively started getting involved with uh, getting recertified. And what other organizations have you been affiliated with or, or you know done volunteer work for? Uh, well, at one point in time, I was on the board of directors uh, with the NEIRC, and that was back uh, many, many years ago when uh, Paul Thompson was actually serving on the board, too. Uh, currently, other than that, with the amount of time I spend with the uh, schoolwork, uh, that's pretty much all I have time for in addition to running my own business, too. Uh, what does NEIRC stand for? Uh, New England Institute of Restoration and Cleaning. Okay. You know, Dan, I don't think a lot of people realize that there are these other groups, these regional associations that, in essence, are our owners, I guess. And maybe you could explain a little better for our listeners. I, I was in a class last week. I just want to kind of set you up on this a little. I don't mean set you up in a bad way, but set up the conversation. I asked a bunch of our attendees. There were about 20 guys with up to 15 years of experience in the course. I asked them if they knew about any of the regional trade associations. Not one guy knew anything about it. So maybe you could help us kind of get the word out about what these regional trade associations are and what their affiliation is with the IICRC and now the Clean Trust. Uh, well, actually, the, the associations are, are the shareholders. Uh, the associations, and I believe there's uh, three individuals uh, that are private shareholders, and uh, they actually, in that sense, own uh, the IICRC. Um, they're pretty active, like it says, locally and regionally as much as possible, uh, trying to recruit individuals to become part of the associations. Um, many, many years ago, before connections, you know, speaking specifically for the NEIRC, uh, we had some uh, yearly trade shows that were just outstanding. Uh, we had a variety of people come up and uh, talk, you know, at those. I remember uh, one point in time, Bob Whitcamp came up, and uh, it was a very, very interesting discussion uh, that he put on about uh, you know things that you needed to do within your business. So connections is somewhat taken over from that, but uh, the associations associations are still uh, very actively involved in trying to expand their membership. Cliff, well, Dan, you know we've never met. We've talked on the phone, and really the first time I saw your name was when it was signed on an ethics complaint that you filed with the IICRC. And uh, what prompted you to file the complaint? Cliff, you're good. Wow, you went back a while on that one. Um, I can be very outspoken and candid, as you probably know, with some of the things I've said and done, but I just felt that there was a very serious conflict of interest uh, with one particular individual. And, um, you know, this, this individual was endorsing certain products, and I just felt as if there was a conflict of uh, interest in that, and I, I, I filed the complaint. It was handled by the uh, ethics committee, and they decided that there no con that there was no conflict. Uh, so I just dropped the matter and let it go. 
I'm not sure exactly that that's what they decided. I think they made some policy changes within the organization. And, um, you know, I think action, you know, I think sometimes action takes time. And I think appropriate action was taken, but I think it took uh, a little bit of time. Just took longer than people would have liked. Right. All right. To you, Joe. Okay. Uh, If you could... Tell us a little bit about your journey here now from being a critic of the organization to being a board member of the organization and secretary now, as I understand it. Yes, okay, yes. Um, I was very, very critical of the organization. Um, again, there were there were things going on and taking place that I just didn't feel were appropriate. Um, I come, you know, 17 years prior to owning my own business, I worked in a very large corporation, like I said earlier, and I just I saw and understood things that the way they should have been done for an organization to operate. And having the experience that I had in that area, I just you know made my thoughts known. And then after making those thoughts known over a period of time, you know individuals felt that perhaps my perspective of looking at things a little bit differently uh, might be helpful. And that's eventually how I became a board member. I'm curious, would you say you are a patient or an impatient man? <laughs> oh, my wife must have put you up to this question, okay? Uh, I would have to say impatient, and you would have to capitalize every single one of those letters. Well, how long have you been, you know, I, I don't know. Cliff understands the history better than me, and sometimes I think we assume the listeners understand the history a little better than than, than we do here. How long has this process been going on, Dan? I mean, you're talking 10 years ago or since you started in the business in 87. That would be, what, 20, uh, 87, 97? Yeah, 23, 24 years ago. Well, which process are you talking about? Well, right. when you went from, you know, your early days, in the, were you immediately in 87 through like 93, 95? Were you a, a involved in the IICRC? When did you file the complaint? And how have you, in general, seen things moving within the association uh, my initially we started out in 87 kind of like stumbling along like so many companies do at first and uh i think it was in like 1993 or 1995 uh that i through a distributor uh i heard of an icrc carpet cleaning class and uh i took that class and that was actually my first involvement uh, with the icrc uh like i said earlier i went on to take uh I was kind of like an education junkie. I could just never get enough information because I always saw how uh, important it was. And as I took more and more classes and got involved with uh, more and more of the individuals and the instructors, who many of them also were on the boards and, you know, key positions, uh, I started seeing some of the things that uh, were going on. And then do you recall about what year the you filed the complaint? Um. I want to say that was somewhere in probably probably around 2003 to 2005, maybe as late as 2007 uh, within that uh, within that time frame. Okay, so would it be fair to say that you you know you went to a lot of these courses as you became more and more familiar with the 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 group? Um, you were happy at first, but then you started to see things that kind of that you didn't like, especially with, uh, you already mentioned, the fact that people may have been promoting a product, et cetera, and then you got a little fed up in the early 2000, 2003 era, and now you're back? Uh, yes. Okay. okay. Um, like I said, I dropped all of my certifications for a while uh, due to my dissatisfaction, but, you know, there have been some changes made over the, over the last few years that I saw as a positive thing, uh, and at that point, just time you know certain individuals you know started talking to me and i got more involved i'm curious if you could maybe i'm I'm curious why were you dissatisfied with the certifications was it the the process was it the way the certifications were marketed Uh, can you give us a little more detail on that uh it actually wasn't the certifications that i was dissatisfied with uh, it was more some of the people that were involved, uh, you know, like I said, in key positions at the uh, IICRC. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go way out on a limb here on this one. Uh, the seal of approval program is pretty much what prompted uh, my dissatisfaction. Uh, I felt as if that program was and still is. Uh, it's it screwed up. It's wrong. It's not. It's nowhere. It's not what it should be. 
and it's turned into something quite different than what it could be. And that's what uh, prompted my initial dissatisfaction. I wrote some articles, and then based on some of the responses that I got from individuals, I was even more dissatisfied with the answers. It was an opportunity to correct things, and it just never happened, and it still hasn't. And that's, I'm a very vocal critic of the uh, sale of approval program. Uh, can you tell listeners what the sale of approval program is, Dan? Sure. Uh, the Carpet and Rug Institute has put together a program to where they test, and I'm going to use the word certify very loosely, but they test uh, chemicals, uh, they test uh, equipment, they test processes, and then grading that, they have a bronze level of passing, they have a silver level of passing, they have a gold level of passing, based on how well the equipment and the chemicals and so on remove soil uh, from uh, the test process. Uh, that's pretty much what they do. And there's been a lot of concern over some of the uh, equipment that has been rated as highly as it has been and shouldn't be. I think we talked a little yeah, bit about Yeah, we did. We actually with, had a uh, whole show. We had Werner Braun on. We had we had you know, Lisa we, we Wagner on with Jim Pemberton later. Right. Didn't we talk a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, no, we then? had a whole show on it. So for listeners that want a little more detail on that, you might want to go back to the Werner, Werner Braun program and the Jim Pemberton and Lisa Wagner program. Yeah, seal of approval. I think if you would search IEQ Radio, seal of approval, or carpet, uh, you're going to be able to find uh, those okay. shows. Okay, great. Well, you know... When I just got my email here, what, three days ago now, and I saw that uh, there were some election results from the recent clean trust election. And I think Cliff and I were both a little startled to to see that many of the familiar old names are gone. Uh, Cliff, do you want to? I think that, you know, from what I heard, the nominating committee slate was rejected. And would you agree that clean trust decided to make resounding and very profound change? Well, you guys put people on the spot, don't you, okay? Um, certainly there were changes made, but I don't know that I would categorize them as a deep house cleaning. Uh, they certainly have had and will have an effect on, on what's happening. But, you know, keep in mind some of the things that were going on because, uh, you know, the nominating committee did their very, very best, and I think in many ways they, they really had an impossible task because there were over 300 candidates that were nominated to uh, fill in in these positions. Eventually, uh, they narrowed that list down to 52. And I was on that list. Uh, I got a phone call from an individual that actually did an interview, and it was a very deep, in-depth interview. And if that was conducted with me, then it was also conducted with the other 300 applicants. So... Like I say, they, they really had an almost impossible task to uh, begin with. And then, like I say, they, they narrowed it down to uh, 52, and all of these individuals, even if they, you know, obviously many of them didn't get elected, but they're still outstanding, well-qualified people. And, and again, keep in mind that it was the shareholders that voted for the eventual slate, and that's the key word, for. The shareholders were voting for people, not against people. So that's that's pretty much you know my thoughts on that right there. Well, Dan, you know I don't I don't like to put people on a spot, so I, I apologize if you felt that way. But I, what I'd like to do is also add the fact that you were also reducing the number of seats in general on the board, correct? And that that's obviously going to leave some people out. Oh yeah, right. But uh, don't don't mind putting people on the spot. That brings out good good discussion, okay? And just there's a lot of point of views out there that uh, need to be heard. But good. I'm sorry. What was your question on the new officers and the board of directors? Is that what it was? No, the board went from a certain number down to a lower number of people on the board. So that also, I assume, left less room for some of the people that uh, maybe others thought should have been on there. Right. and we'll talk about Pat Winters hopefully uh, more later on. But, you know, Pat Winters has brought a lot of insight. And one of the things, you know, based on his experience, uh, he felt that, you know, if we could reduce the size of the board to 15, it would be, you know, a much more manageable board. And we'd have a lot more input, you know, individually from the 15. Uh, when they when they went with that new board, uh, initially they only want directors to serve for a three-year time period. They can serve two terms, but a three-year time period. And to get that started, uh, they started with a, uh, a rotation process. 
to where five directors would serve for a one-year time period, five directors would serve for a two-year time period, and five directors would serve with a uh, for a three-year time period initially. And the groups were chosen randomly. So five individuals were just selected randomly for the first term to serve for a year, five randomly for two years, and then five randomly for three years. And next year, what will happen, those five that were elected for the one-year term, there will be five people nominated, whoever they might be, to serve now for a three-year time period, replacing those five that were only on there for one year. So you're always going to be getting new blood in. You're always going to be getting a little bit of new thinking, you know, to help uh, help the organization move forward faster. Are, are there any limits on the number of terms someone can serve? Uh, my understanding you know, uh, is only two-year term, two three-year term periods, uh, and there'd have to be an extremely valid reason as to why they would serve anything beyond that. So basically, you're looking at serve, having someone having no more than six years of input, which is good. You've got experience there, but yet at the same time, you've got turnover of new blood, new thinking coming in. And you uh-huh. yeah, yeah, I like that. I think uh, I think a lot of people would like to see that in our elected representatives of, of in the United States in general have a little bit more of a term limit on people. Cliff, yeah, obviously, you know, just we're at a situation here to where we've got uh, two parties and they can't even agree on things like uh, you know raising the debt limits. You know, people are too people are too unfortunately Congress are more concerned about their agenda than us. But you know, on the board of directors. Uh, serving one-year time periods, uh, Graham Bedwell, um, I believe he's with the Rouse Company, uh, myself with uh, Mastercare, uh, and I may be mispronouncing some of these names, but uh, Norm Maya, he's with the uh, MFT National Cleaning Services, uh, Daryl Paulson, he's with Advanced Restoration, and then uh, Tony Wilwright, who is retired. That was the group that was only serving for a one-year time period. And then Serving for a two-year time period, uh, we've got John Downey, and pretty much everybody knows him. He's the uh, former editor of uh, one of the uh, trade publications. Uh, Pete Duncanson, I believe he's national training director for uh, one of the large franchises. Uh, Lonnie McDonald, uh, who was very, very involved many years back in starting up one of the associations that's uh, now a shareholder of the IICRC. Uh, Kevin Pearson and uh, Bill Weigand serving that two-year time period. And then for the three-year time period, we've got uh, Craig Jasper. Uh, he's with the Cleaning and Restoration Institute. Uh, Dave Kiter, uh, which again, I believe is a franchise owner. Uh, Pat Motrick, uh, I'm sorry, Pat Moffitt. Uh, he does environmental consulting and he's engineering. And then we've got uh, Rodney Paulson and uh, Hank Unk also serving on that. So it's, it's a nice variety. It's a nice blend of individuals serving on that. We can all learn from one another and have some good input. Good. Well, great. Well, and, you know, for listeners, we've had several of those folks on the show over time. I know uh, Pat Moffat's been on the show right. and uh, a few others. So if you'd like to hear some of their views, you can always go back to some previous shows. What we'd like to do now, Dan, is we have to take our little halftime break and, and thank our sponsors and bring in Glenn Fellman. He's got an IE Connections What's News segment, and we'll be right back with the rest of the interview. Excellent. Thank you. thank you. Okay. Thank you. Association sponsors are the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, is the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental and consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. 
And, of course, our marquee sponsors, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions, and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon, J-O-N-D-O-N.com. And, of course, Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfactswithanx.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. All right, let's see if we've got Glenn Fellman. Uh, we got to unmute Glenn Fellman. He's number two. Hello, Glenn. Welcome to IAQ Radio. We haven't had you on in a while. Hello there. How are you, Joe? How are you, Cliff? Great, good, great. Good. What's news, Mr. Fellman? Well, I was going to open up and talk about how this great organization's changed its names and elected a new board, but I think we've covered that territory now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to just add a little commentary on it. There's a little bit of irony. Last Friday, the, the new name was announced, the Clean Trust, and by Monday, the industry blogs and bulletin boards and chat groups were full of nothing but that. And then the announcement came out uh, early this week about the new board of directors, and that hadn't gotten nearly as much play over the course of the week. You've got a cosmetic change in a, in a, in a name, and you've got a very substantial and dramatic change in leadership. And I hope the industry doesn't overlook the second piece of news, which is really the substantial piece of news as far as reform and change within IICRC. I know a lot of people have been wanting it, talked about it, pushed for it, and it looks like it's really happening. So congratulations to the Clean Trust and uh, to your guest for, for their success. And I would encourage people in the industry to uh, look, at the, look at the big stories, not just the cosmetic ones. That's why we're here, Glenn. <laughs> All right. Hey, I got some good stuff for you today. Has anybody seen what the California Department of Health has to say about building dampness, mold, and health? Uh, put- go ahead. I've seen it, but I just wanted. I think it's an excellent story. Please. Well, we finally got we finally got uh, somebody saying what uh, everybody's known for a long time. I think this is a September 2001 statement came out from the California Department of Health. I'll read the first sentence. CDPH has concluded that the presence of water damage, dampness, visible mold, or mold odor in schools, workplaces, residents, and other indoor environments is unhealthy. Stop. End of sentence. Unhealthy. Uh, It goes on to talk about a lot of things here, but I'm just going to cite a couple of them. Mounting scientific evidence on dampness and mold, much of it published since 2005, supports an alternative evidence-based approach to the assessment of health risks from indoor dampness and mold. Human health studies have led to a consensus among scientists and medical experts that the presence in a building of visible water damage, damp materials, visible mold, or mold odor indicates an increased risk of respiratory disease for occupants. And then they go on to list a bunch of known health risks, known health risks. So it's pretty substantial in that you have a major health entity, government health department for the state of California saying, this stuff is bad for you. Now, there's some other things in there that were very interesting as well. Uh, mold remediators and uh, people who uh, know the, the hazards of mold are cheering on this one. People who test for mold, maybe not so much. <laughs> I quote, there is also a consensus that the traditional methods used to identify increased mold exposure do not reliably predict increased health risks. Therefore, the current practices for the collection, analysis, and interpretation of environmental samples for mold cannot be used to quantify health risks posed by dampness and mold in buildings or to guide health-based actions. In essence, uh, what this report says is identify the the source, eliminate the source, remove the mold, clean the environment, and get on with your life. Um, Very, very interesting. So I believe uh, I sent you, you folks the uh, the document, and uh, you guys can either link it up to your website at iaqradio.com or uh, listeners are always welcome to contact me, and I'll send them uh, the PDF for the link for that. We will have Val put that up, Val. All thank right. You, thank hey, you. Joe, i got a question for you. Yes, sir. Who floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee? My man, Muhammad Ali. Oh, That's right. Yeah. And he's still Cassius singing. Clay. Parkinson's uh, hasn't stopped him. 
Muhammad Ali and his wife have filed a lawsuit against the Louisville couple claiming they lied and withheld information about defects in a home that Ali's purchased for $1.87 million. The lawsuit filed last week in Jefferson Circuit County in Louisville, Kentucky, claims uh, that uh, Patrick and Beverly Lancaster sold the Ollies a home that, uh, without notifying them of numerous defects, including roof and chimney leaks, poor insulation, improper ventilation work, and mold. So why is this a big deal? It's a big deal because when anyone uh, famous like this, Aaron Brockovich, Ed McMahon, Bianca Jagger in the past, Anytime a big-name star puts out a lawsuit like this over mold and housing, it makes headlines, and it brings out awareness of the hazards of mold. So in and of itself, it's not that big a story, but you'll, you'll, see, it's, you'll see it repeated here and again, I'm sure. A couple other little things I have uh, to add today. I uh, wanted to let everybody know that there's some great courses coming up in December uh, from the Indoor Air Quality Association in cooperation with the IEQ Training Institute in Greenville, South Carolina from December 6th through the 8th. There's going to be courses taught for mold remediation workers, mold remediation supervisors, and indoor environmentalists. You can learn about that at iaqtraining.com. And that's pretty much what I got for you today, guys. Well, Glenn, thanks for joining us. Will you stick around for the roundup? You always have insightful insightful questions, uh, and I'd love to have you stick around for the roundup if you can. You can count on it. I'll be here. Great. Thanks again, Glenn. Let's get back with Dan and uh, Dr. Wow. We'll get back with, uh, we'll bring you in for the roundup as well. Uh, Dan, let's, uh, we've got a text question. It kind of follows along with what Glenn was saying. And it was, uh, move back just a little bit there if you would. Uh, there we go. Um, what was involved in the thought process or decision making process when changing the name to the Clean Trust? I guess that's what Glenn was saying has gotten all the all the hype and the uh you know the attention and I think it would be a great time to explain to listeners what went into that decision. Well actually it was uh, a long process okay several years ago people started discussing the idea of uh, making a change uh it went back and forth uh, you know the thought process on it uh they actually uh at a PR company, a marketing company, get involved to see what was uh, possible with doing with the name. And uh, over a period of time, I believe it was 2009 is when they actually started thinking about doing this. Uh, this process evolved into where we are right now. Um, the IICRC, you know, obviously is a great organization, but you know, the acronym, the IICRC, you know just didn't seem to convey to the public what uh, we wanted it to, to convey. So basically we were trying to come up with a name that might have a little bit more impact with the uh, eventually with the consumer. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, I know that a lot of the uh, people that are, are registrants are a little, you know, miffed with the, with the name change, but I think wasn't the, the goal more to get recognition from the the people who need the services and i assume your research showed that that was you know the, that that was a good name for people to remember as opposed to iicrc yeah basically that's what they were trying to accomplish and you know we'll see what what are you trying to convey with that name the clean trust um basically we're trying to you know get the thought across that uh uh, cleaners are going to find training and homeowners, residential people, you know, homeowners are going to find the, um, the training that they needed to have done to make sure that uh, the work in their homes uh, gets done properly. So we're trying to convey that they can trust us uh, to, do, to do things the way they should be done properly. I hope this works out for you. you know, my, my, my opinion is it's a brilliant name. I think it's a brilliant move. And uh, you know, there, I, I always think that less is more. Yep. And there's so many spins that you can take on trust. You can use do spins on the words individually. You, know, you can put them backwards and forwards. And I, I just think it's really brilliant. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, my compliments. I, I couldn't think of anything better. When I saw it, I thought it was just really, really good. I suspect over time people will... It'll grow on people, but we'll find out. You know, right now things are a little new, and when things are new and people are used to an old, 
you know, a brand that's been around for a long time, uh, they, you know, it shocks people at first, and then I think over time maybe people will grow to like it. But we'll find out. Uh, Cliff? Yeah. Um, it, in what capacities does Clean Trust have consultants now, and who are they? Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, uh, we have uh, two consultants. Um, one of them is Dan Bernazzani, and he's an, uh, a consultant for government governmental affairs. There's an awful lot going on at the state level right now with uh, certifications specifically for mold. And there's no one common denominator. There's no one common standard uh, for how mold should be processed uh, when the work is being done. Uh, there's no uh, federal standards. Uh, there's no personal exposure limits on that. There's no threshold limit values. So a lot of states are just jumping in, trying to you know put a handle on this, and there's no common denominator. Uh, so Dan is very much involved with uh, different states, trying to make sure that if anything is going to happen, whatever does happen eventually, that there's a consistency to it, that there's a standard that everybody can follow. Gotcha. And, and then um, Larry Cooper is the technical advisor. I've only met him uh, once or twice, so I really don't know too much about uh, exactly you know, how he goes about functioning and how he goes about completing his uh, duties. And then we've added one person that really isn't uh, a consultant. She's actually an employee, and that's uh, Millie Washington. And uh, she's actually going to be uh, a standards director and uh, help us, again, evolve with that uh, process. Um, we're getting ANSI certified uh, in many, many of our certifications, eventually all of them. And that's quite a very, very involved process. And uh, Millie's really up to speed on, on getting things done with that process. It's going to be very, very helpful in, in making it happen. You know, would you agree that while the IICRC has prospered, that regional trade associations that actually are the shareholders of the organization have suffered. And is there any plan for Clean Trust to assist or help the regionals? Sure. Unfortunately, over the years, many of the regional associations have uh, suffered over the last few years. Um, I think what you've seen with the uh, recent nominating process uh, that's actually allowed the associations to have a, a, a very great impact on, 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 on the current board right now. They've helped to elect them. And as a result, I'm sure you're going to see that the uh, new board of directors is going to spend a good deal of time trying to get as much input as possible uh, from the associations and to see what their members need, and then we can do our best to uh, make sure that that happens. But you're right. Over the years, the regional associations uh, have definitely suffered. You know, Dan, we we had a gentleman who's your president on the show. It's been a while back now, and I just wanted to first mention Patrick Winter's name. I think he, you know, from our perspective, he seems to have done a, a really nice job for the association. Could you talk a little bit about what a change it is for the Clean Trust to have a paid president, number one, and then uh, how you think he's affected the association? Um. Having a professional manager for a nonprofit organization was an absolute must. And a nonprofit organization is not just a, a regular, you know, C corporation that makes a profit and then they don't make a profit. There's a lot of subtle things that have to be done differently legally with a nonprofit organization. Um, in spite of the attempt that uh, past presidents made, they just didn't have the background or the expertise or the experience to make that happen. Uh, Pat's been working in nonprofit organizations for a very long period of time, and simply put, he's done an outstanding job. He's brought uh, insight with his professional management background, um, and when he came on the board, one of the things he actually did uh, very, very early on in his uh, tenure as president, he evaluated the IICRC from 10 different critical areas, and that hadn't been done before. He made some very uh, important recommendations for improvement in these areas, and then he actually he's monitoring that progress to make sure we're hitting the goal that uh, we need to uh, to hit. So, again, you just can't you can't say enough good about what Pat has done. He's an incredible individual, and he's extremely professional. He's been very very helpful for us. Okay. 
What we'd like to do, Dan, is we've since we've got Glenn, we've got Dr. Wow on the line, we've got Val here, we're going to go a little early to our roundup here, and that's where we go around the table here and ask one final question and also, of course, give you the opportunity to either ask a question or add any final thoughts that you have. So give us one second. We're going to introduce it, and then we'll get started. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, ride him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw. All right, let's get, uh, first, let's get Dr. Wow in. Hello, D. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right, let's start with our friend, Dr. Dietrich Wow, and then we're going to go to Glenn Fellman. Dieter, any questions? You know, Dieter, I've got a question for you. Are you with us, Dieter? Hello? I'm here. Okay. I've got a question for you. You and I have been working together 10 years now, going around teaching. You know, you, you usually help me with the indoor environmentalist training course. But in the early days, you, you helped with the mold remediation course quite a bit. And I remember when you and I first started going, you know, what is this IICRC thing here, you know? And it just it seemed confusing to me. What are your thoughts on this name change thing from the IICRC to the Clean Trust? I'm sorry, was that a question for me? I, I was actually asking Dieter what he thought about that. Well, it's, uh, I went through a couple of discussions like that. Uh, I was a member, I get back to that, of the American Industrial Hygiene Association. And at, uh, years ago, uh, there were question marks, you know, industrial hygiene uh, was probably a toilet inspector or something like that that the people thought, and should we call it, you know, environmental uh, something? And well, they obviously decided not to do it, even though I uh, am not a member of that uh, association anymore for reasons that were mentioned by our guests. And if there are a couple of things with which I do not agree, and I bring it to their attention, um, I said no. And I certainly have the right to do that. And I know a couple of other people that uh, reacted very similarly to, to myself. I'm not a member of that uh, association anymore. And there are several uh, reasons for it. Uh, but I think we all ought to look at our associations of which we are members, for which we are paying, and if there is something wrong, I think it ought to be brought to their attention, or the board of directors, or the president, whatever it's called. And um, I, I think that is a good activity to have. And I, 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 I encourage everybody. I said, hey, you know, just don't close your eyes and say yes uh, to everything. Uh, make up your mind and, and, and take a look at it. And uh, if there are things which are not right, or, and even if you're only one person out of a thousand, but I think that is a, that is a good activity, and not only with associations, we can also go into politics, and I'm not going to go to that one yet, right now, but um, I think the one thing that we kind of missed today, and a lot of listeners may have well, uh, uh, may ask that question. Um, we are the indoor environmental uh, gang, and of course, carpet cleaning and water damage and and um, fire damage uh, pertains to that. But I think that we are not only carpet cleaners and dishwashers. We are looking at the in, uh, indoor environment and cleaning a carpet and cleaning ductwork and so on, it's only part of the overall picture. And I think a lot of people say, said, hey, he just talked about carpet cleaning. Uh, well, which is not the case. I know that. What else do I have to say? Uh, well, congratulations, yeah. Andy. Andy is a, <laughs> a friend of mine. 
And uh, in fact, he was pinch-hitting for me last week when I was on a vacation, and they had scheduled uh, me to take some samples for lead and air. And uh, and he said, okay, Dieter, I take over and I do it for you. <laughs> the cop said, he should get a bonus. The company saved some money by not having me there. That's good. Let me follow up on what you said, Dieter, with Dan. Dan, I'm, I'm curious, you know, Dieter mentioned a, a good point that the indoor environmental quality industry is, is bigger than, you know, water damage and carpet cleaning, et cetera. Are, are there any plans in the works for IICRC or the Clean Trust now to kind of uh, branch out into, you know, the consulting side of things or into other areas they haven't traditionally been very active in? Um, none that I'm aware of currently, but the IRCRC is always looking to uh, putting on new classes, uh, expanding it to new and different certifications uh, that they feel are necessary to, uh, you know, help help throughout the industry. So right now, like I say, none that I'm aware of, but I certainly wouldn't doubt that uh, that, that is a, a definite possibility. Uh, when you look at some of the things years ago, we didn't have uh, health and safety technicians, uh, and certainly now we do. So by all means, I, I would certainly see that as a strong possibility. Okay. Let's let's go to Glenn Fellman. I'm sure Glenn has a, a question or two to add to the roundup. Glenn, do we have you on the line? Hi. Thanks for the opportunity. I do have a question. Uh, earlier in the show, Dan alluded to the fact that uh, IICRC uh, it does not have members. It's, its members, so to speak, our, our owners are regional trade associations, uh, more than a dozen of them, and that there are three individual shareholders. Now, this is a very unique thing. Uh, only Washington State, it's the only state in the country that allows a nonprofit organization to have individual shareholders. And I, I quite honestly don't know how that works, whether they actually receive a dividend or a financial uh, a check or something at the end of the year or how that works. But it's odd, and it's something that has been a source of criticism, right or wrong, for, for many years. Uh, I work with the Indoor Air Quality Association. Uh, it was founded by three guys, and they put a lot of money into it. And when the association started to grow... They paid the member, the founding members back the, their investment, and uh, the organization was converted into a nonprofit 501c6. Has there any thought or consideration been given to buying out the three individual shareholders and making this a purely organizational-based uh, entity? That question is for me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, to be honestly be honest I'm, I'm not sure on that okay uh, that's really more of a, a legal question than than anything else and um, like you said uh, there's some pretty peculiar things from the states as to how nonprofits can or should be operated uh, I don't even know if that's a possibility buying out the individual shareholders uh, that's certainly something that uh, Charles Isley he's our legal counsel uh, met him for the first time uh, last week and he certainly seems very well qualified for what he's doing so uh, I would think that's more of a question for uh, Charles and just a, a board member. Let's get the Z-Man to add his insight. Do you want to add any insight? Well, I know you've been you know, around a long yeah, time. I, I have a little history. I, I, you know, Initially, the, the, the organization needed money in order to fund it. And if I'm not mistaken, the initial blocks of shares cost something like $500. I know that when Triska joined, I think our block of shares cost us like 2500 and over the years, uh, various people have turned their shares back in. Uh, I, I do know the, I, I do have a long history with the three current shareholders. They would be Rodney Paulson, Daryl Paulson, and, and Lee Pemberton. And I know that all three of those people had deep concerns over the organization and I would, you know, I, I think they were concerned about it, and if it probably was not for those individuals, uh, I don't know that the change would have occurred that we're talking about right now. Correct. Okay. I, I don't believe it would have occurred without them, and I think that they really are the, you know, kind of the guidance counselors. I think for, you know for, <laughs> for the organization, and I, I would think that all of them should be happy at this particular point, and. Um, you know, I, I think that 
they were the people that had nothing to lose because no one could get rid of them. So they could say what they wanted, they could do what they wanted, and they were shareholders, so that they weren't concerned. Uh, you know, they could always talk freely and always talk openly. And, you know, I think we had different people sit his seat over over the years. He would find someone that he, uh, you know, was confident in and had different people, you know, sit that seat. And I wouldn't be surprised that um, now th- they would be very, very happy about what, what's transpired and, you know, uh, you know, would be willing to you know sell the shares back or donate the shares back because I really, I really don't think it's a matter of money. I don't think it's a matter of power. I think it was a matter of their being able to try to affect positive change. Okay, Cliff, thanks for adding that. Let me ask a quick question, Dan, because you you've got a great education background. You're an adjunct uh, instructor at one of the local universities or colleges up that way and you've taken all these certification courses or many of them i'm just curious what your thoughts are on on third-party accreditation you've got you know you're, you you mentioned that you're in the process of getting ANSI, the american national standards institute uh, approval of the programs any any idea how that would affect existing certificate holders i, I understand that that might be a a, a, a sticky point with respect to Getting the third-party accreditation is how you get the existing, what, 55,000 or so registrants um, grandfathered in, so to speak, for their certification. Any thoughts on that? Sure. First of all, certainly it's a, it's a difficult uh, process because uh, ANSI demands that you have a wide variety of views to make sure that this actually really is an industry perspective. Uh, but I guess I want to compare what they're trying to do, that's you know the ANSI certification, to uh, a lawyer. Uh, he'll go to three or four years of law school, whatever it is, and he'll pass all the tests and all the exams and all the quizzes that he needs to to get his degree from that college. But then he actually goes on and he has to take the boards. So it's an additional certification. And same thing with accountants. They'll go through several years of, of training to do what it is they need to do. They'll take the test, the quizzes, the exams, and, and you know they'll get the degree. But again, before they become certified, they actually have to become by a non a non interested third party uh, to make sure that they do have the training and the qualifications that they should have. So, exactly how it's going to be done for the uh, fifty six thousand registrants, I'm really not sure. But for them, it really, really is critical uh, to make sure that this is done for them because it's actually going to show that another outside independent body has looked at the training that they have and said, yes, indeed, this is this is the standard that it should be. Cliff, I think we'd like to let you finish it up. This is your baby here this week. I want to thank you for bringing Dan on and, and organizing things this week, and I know you had one final question. Yeah, my final question is, Dan, what are your thoughts and comments on many of the issues being raised on the industry bulletin boards? Um. As a general comment, uh, like you say, uh, there's been a, a great deal of controversy by many of the registrants over the, the new name and the new board of directors. And quite candidly, there's a, a good deal of validity to those questions and those comments that are being asked and being made. And those people should be recognized for being you know, straightforward. Uh, some have been especially vocal. And I just like them to know that you know I've noted their concern and I, I take them seriously and I will do everything I can to you know, try to implement the changes that should be made. But keep in mind, nobody likes change. People are pretty much, you know, they're satisfied to, with the status quo because they're familiar with it. You know, I'd like to give the new name a change. But if I don't feel that it's doing what it should be doing, um, I'll certainly strongly encourage that we take a look at that. And then if we need to make changes on the name, we should make the changes on the name. But the people that are being, you know, vocal and critical, again, I want to encourage them to make their comments, perhaps in a more positive way, uh, but by all means, you know, I'm listening to them for one, and I know several other people on the board are also. Uh, that's a great. I, I really appreciate the way you handled that, and it also ties into what Dr. Wow said. You know, let's get involved and stay involved, and let's not criticize those that are being involved and being vocal. And uh, actually, that's how you got where you're at, I think, Dan, to some degree, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree with you. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, before we go, we always like to make sure you get the last word. Is there anything that we missed that you'd like to add or just any final thoughts or comments you'd like to get out to our listeners? 
Um, no, I think we pretty much uh, covered the uh, you know the perspective, you know the areas and the issues that uh, I think should be covered. Uh, I want to thank everybody for uh, asking the questions that they did ask, because I think they were uh, good questions that, that needed to be asked, so people could have a better understanding of what's going on and what's happening within the IICRC, now called the Clean Trust. Well, I want to make sure we we say a special thanks to you because we we worked hard to get somebody on the show this week about this you know big breaking news in the industry, and we really appreciate you joining us with short notice and doing a great job. Thanks again, Dan. Thank you. It's been my privilege. All right, Enjoy, everybody. Okay. Well, this is uh, Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks, of course, to this week's guests, Mr. Dan Mabison of the Mastercare Corp in Norwich, Connecticut. Uh, New secretary for the Clean Trust. I also want to make sure I thank my co-host, the Z-Man. Pleasure. Great job this week. Val Bender assisting us here. Sure. At the controls, Stone Cold, Austin Novak. Of course, Glenn Fellman for the IE Connections What's News. Dr. Dietrich Weil, as always, joining us with some insightful comments. But most importantly, you, our growing group of loyal listeners. Thanks again for joining us this week. Please come back next week when we've got uh, we got Will Lamb on. We're going to talk some contents restoration next week. Look forward to uh, getting back with everybody next week, Friday at noon, for the next edition of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production.